Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. Last week, we talked about uh, how we are servants in the world and, and how we're servants to one another, how we're servants for God. And one of the things that, one of the things we talked about, if you, if you happen to miss, there's this really, really key verse at the end of Colossians, which is the book we're going through right now, uh, which is more, more of a letter. There's this, there's this key verse right at the end of chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 29. To this end I labor, struggling with all of his energy, which so powerfully works in me. And what we talked about was, when it comes to working with the world, loving the world, serving the public, um, being married, raising children, interacting with other human beings, there are times it can become stressful. Have you, have you noticed that? Um, for whatever reason, people refuse to live up to our expectations, you know. And because they don't, we have to then learn to love from another place. We have to learn to love from a different capacity. Which is why Paul tells the Colossian church, I struggle with all of Christ's energy. If the fountain is limitless, then I don't ever have to worry about getting, getting burned out. I don't have to worry about that. When I love from my own capacity... That is minimal. Like you get as much grace as hours I got sleep. Right? You get as much grace as downtime that I needed. If it was a stressful week, that's the kind of grace you're going to get. If that's how we operate in our relationships, we're not operating from another capacity. We're operating from the human standpoint, not, not, the, not the heavenly standpoint. So Paul's talking to them. So all the way through the first chapter of Colossians, which by the way has taken like six weeks for us to get through the first chapter of Colossians. Apologize. But um, there's one verse we have not talked about. There's one verse we haven't talked about. And that verse is verse 28. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect In Christ. Read it one more time. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. Every single week, uh, three different kinds of people walk through these doors. There are those of you who are um, committed, committed Christians, like Jesus has your heart. Um, different than like Jesus has my heart, Jack Daniels has my liver. I don't mean that. I mean, Jesus has my heart, Jesus has my liver. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm trying to serve the Lord to the very best of my ability. Not good at it, but to the very best of my ability. We're committed to Christ. We are here because this is a reflection of our thankfulness and our gratefulness because of what redemption has done in my heart. I don't feel obligated to be here. I want to be here. I want to connect with other Christians. There's that group. Second group is, the, is, is, is a similar group. You one time believed. You one time were committed. At one point in your life, you come back from church camp or you came back from a revival or you went to a convention or you went to Kansas City to a church that all they do is pray and you got all amped up and you came back and you were on fire for Jesus. And then like you went back to work and you kept hearing those same old things. And before too long, it just wore you down and you kind of become stagnant. You show up here out of obligation. You show up here out of 
because, habit. It's a social thing. I don't want people to think I don't love Jesus, so I'm going to go. Let's take it a step further. Sometimes, even within that group, there is this idea that I go to church in hopes that on some level I can leverage God. God can't be mad at me. I went to church. As if God were so small, you could leverage him with the having to wake up an hour earlier and go to a different geographical location. Like somehow that is going to leverage the creator of the cosmos. But instead, what happens is we just grow stagnant, grow a little bitter, get tired, and it just becomes us going through the motions. There's a third group. The third group, this is what we call friends of the faith. You're skeptics. Good. You should be. You're friends of the faith. You stand at a distance and you look at it and you say, there's something about it I like. There's some things about it that I, that I really do appreciate. I'm not going to buy in all the way because I don't want to be the weird, the end is near sandwich sign guy, but I like kind of what I'm hearing. And so we stand at a distance. You've not given your life to Christ, but you have a deep appreciation for who he is. I think it was John Lennon that said, it's not Jesus Christ I have a problem with, it's just all his friends. Maybe that's you. Don't really have much to say for the church, but Jesus seems to be something special. You're what we call a friend of the faith. Being a friend of the faith does, have, does come with a warning. We... I want Jesus to woo you. Don't bail in. Don't jump into our boat just because you hear somebody tell you great stories. Don't jump into the boat because of that. Listen, Jesus has you right where he wants you and he's wooing you. He wants to draw near to you. He wants to convince you. Listen, if I can talk you into it, somebody else can talk you out of it. So that's not a good reason. But Jesus wants to bring you into a deeper, closer, committed relationship with him. You're what we call friends of the faith. Now, today's sermon is not for you. I want you to eavesdrop. I want you to listen. I want you to overhear it. I want you to stand in the back and be like, get him. You can do that. You can do that. As a friend of the faith, standing on the outside going, yes, it's about time somebody whipped the church into shape. Like that's, that's okay. I want you to hear it. A couple other things. I also want you to hear that the reason that we talk about the things we talk about has zero to do with obligation. I don't stand up here and preach. I don't commit my life to Christ. I don't pray with my family in the mornings. I don't read scripture. I don't meet together with other strong Christian men and let them push me around because I feel like, oh, I better because, you know, Jesus died on the cross and all. That's not the reason. The reason is because that is a, that's a reflection of thankfulness and gratefulness for what Jesus has done. Where we are is that very same place. As a friend of the faith, I want you to listen up. I want you to hear what's going on. I want you to understand what Christ has done for you. I want you to open your life up to what's going on there. There is something about counting the cost. Don't jump in if you're not ready to jump in. Don't start building if you ain't got the funds to finish the barn. You with me? There's a, there's, there's a place you should be with Christ. Even if it's just on the outside for right now. Like, you and him can work that thing out. You and him can work that thing out. But this sermon is not for you. Which means it's for us. The church. In group one and in group two. 
for those of us who are committed, for those of us who are obligated, for those of us who come with a, a grateful heart, those of us who come with a, whatever, bored, discontentment. This sermon is for us. What's crazy about the first two groups is sometimes it's interchangeable, isn't it? From week to week, do you feel like maybe you're one and then the other? Well, I'm doing it this week. Good job, Jared, loving Jesus, doing it right. And then the next week I'm like, so over this. Sometimes we need encouraged. Sometimes we need warned. We need taught. We need told. We need led. So that's what we're talking about today. Paul fires off this verse and we preach or we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone so that we may present them perfect in Christ. Here's what we want to do. Let's break down the words and then we'll try to apply it to where we are today. The first word that shows up here is the word proclaim or preach is the word. Preach is the word that is, uh, it's to decisively announce. What's really cool about the word preach is it doesn't just mean doing this what I do right here on a Sunday morning for for 25 or 45 minutes. It's not that. Preaching is such a big word that it involves what you do as well. It's broke down into two, two different words. Kata, and then angelos. Kata, this idea of in a place, specific point. This where you live, day by day, daily. And then the other one is the word they use for angels, or ministers, or servants, or messengers. So here's what Paul says. As preachers, the whole of us, as preachers, where you live, what you do, who you interact with, you are giving a message day in, day out to everybody that you're around. That is what you do when you become a Christian. This is what you become. This is a part of our identity. So we preach Christ. Okay, so if, if you ask a journalist, a lot of things that, that, journalism, that, that journalists will tell you is, you, to complete a full story, you have to know the why, the when, the who, the what, and the where. For you to complete a story, that's what you have to have. Paul outlines this right here. So what is it that we do? We preach. We are daily messengers to the world. Now, I need you to try to picture this in your mind. I don't know if I can paint you a very good picture. Let me, let me try to paint this for you. Jesus is looking at the world and he is saying, I need to rescue the globe. I need to rescue the people that are on it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to send my spirit, what Paul talked about earlier in the passage, the spirit of Christ, the great mystery of Christ in us. I'm going to send my spirit to exist in humankind so that they can continue to reflect what the next kingdom is like. And so as the Christian faith grows and more people become followers of Jesus, this is what we get. A world that has just been infused with the spirit of Christ so that one by one, people are connecting. Listen, I love the idea of a mega church. Like, there'd be nothing cooler than like 2,000 people here on a Sunday morning. Like, that'd be just, that's a mind-blowing deal. Let me, let, me, let me back up and tell you something. The church that Luke and I grew up in is in Tyro, Kansas. Have you ever heard of it? All four of you, good. <laughs> Tyro, Kansas, population 289. That's when we were there, 287 now that we're gone. 
287 people. They have 1,000 people in their church every Sunday. In a town of 280-some people, the church is over 1,000 every single Sunday. How does that happen? What, what creates an atmosphere like that? It's one by one. How does an environment like that get created? How, do, how, do you, how, do, how does an environment where it's so small, it was a country church, and then all of a sudden it explodes into something else? Well, it goes back to the things that we care about and the things that we talk about. Number one, it's the cross. That's why we've got that on our crest. It goes to the next thing. It's the word of God. Listen, we could, we could set up a Jupiter jump and pass out $1 bills, and we could probably get a lot more people here, don't you think? But is that a, is that a healthy church? Or do we just put more people in one place? We just moved them from one place to another place for a free dollar and like five minutes in the bounce house. It's not what we're after. Paul talks about it here so that we can present everyone perfect in Christ. Bounce houses and dollar bills don't create people perfect in Christ. That's why for us, we care about the Word of God. The preaching of the Word is number one to us. That's number one to us. It would be awesome to see a lot of people here if they're here for that. If that's the reason they're here because we need to hear the Word of God, good. Then we're there. Then we're there. Kata angelos. This idea that we preach everywhere that we go. The next word that Paul uses is this. This tells us the how. This gives us the, um, the, this idea of what does the preaching entail? It, in preach, it, it entails two different things. We admonish and we teach. Here's admonish. That is to get your nose in somebody else's business and to correct it for them. My brother, I love you, but you are wrong. The way you are living your life is crooked and cross and it needs to stop and it needs to stop immediately. Did you feel the tension that just happened? Like as like Jesus is holding up this coat. Here's what I want you to be. I would like you to put this jacket on. I want you to go correct your brother. You're like, I don't think that fits me. I don't think that's a thing I want to put on. To where I go get in somebody else's business and I tell them how to live their life. Nobody likes that guy, Jesus, don't you know? Nobody likes that guy. The word admonish is to warn or to correct. I got family that lives in Deering, Kansas. And when I, when I go over the last year or so, they've been doing uh, construction on the road that connects uh, Independence to Deering. So if you want to go, like you can see... Like, you get there and there's all these big orange signs, road out, road out, road out. And you get there, and then here's the, here's the frustrating part. Like, I could make it. You know what I mean? Like, you've seen that deal. Like, I can make that. Like, I might drag a, an orange cone under me for a minute, but I'll make it. I can make it. Just, I can see, like, I can see, like, it's not out, out, you know? But the signs are serving as a warning, like, uh, road out. Like, road out. Like, you, like, there's no road there. It's out. You, you can't go that way. So instead, what you do is you have to take about eight miles of back roads. So the last time I went, I'd forgotten that they were in construction and I was on my motorcycle. Eight miles of 
bumper to bumper traffic on a gravel road. And by the time we got there, I looked like a dirt clod. Like just, I couldn't breathe. I got emphysema. Well, I mean, malaria, whatever it was. It was bad. It was bad. You know, it's in my eyes. Like I just went through the depression again, you know. It was just, it was terrible. Those, are, those signs serve a purpose to warn. Admonish means warn another brother. That means we warn those around us. Hey, 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 hey. Not a good way to go. Picture this in your mind. The many of us who have tried to follow Christ and people have met us on the road and said, ah, oh, wouldn't go that way, bridge out. Yeah, be all right, I can make it. Four-wheel drive. <laughs> all right, and you go on. You meet somebody else coming down the road. Hey, 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 I wouldn't go that way. They're covered in dirt. I wouldn't go that way, bridge out. Yeah, I wouldn't go that way. Yeah, all right, okay. Oh. Thank you, thank you, appreciate it. Just keep going. We finally get to that place and we're like, like, I think I can make it. There's been so many people who've already been on that side of things. Our Christian responsibility is to stand as a warning sign to other people. To stop them, to be in the awkwardness with them. My brother, can I stop you for just a second? I ain't trying to boss you around. I ain't trying to tell you how you live your life. But I can tell you this, my wife and I went through a similar deal, and I promise you this is going to end bad. I ain't mad, and you can come talk to me when you're done. If it goes bad, you can always come to, but I'm telling you right now, we went down that road, broken, uh, bridge out, don't go. That's our responsibility. That's admonished, to warn. Now here's what happens for some of us, specifically group number two, the eh, obligated whatever Okay, I'm here. Group. Group number two, here's what happens a lot of times. I don't really want to tell people how to live their life. This is going to get pushy for a minute, okay? Part of the reason we don't like to tell other people how to handle their life is because we're doing a really crappy job of handling our own. Make sense? I don't want to tell my brother how he needs to get his mind out of the gutter because then that means I've got to get my mind out of the gutter. I don't want to tell that brother that he probably ought to, need to, he needs to slow that. He needs to be more compassionate with his wife. He needs to be more kind to his children. I don't want to tell that because then that means that I have to do a better job. And I would much rather hide in my laziness than be called out. And that's what happens. We get into a place where it's just easier. I don't want to be a leader in the church. Why? Because then I got to clean my crap up. Now I don't want to do that. That's too hard. Paul is pushing us to another, to another level. When we admonish or when people admonish us, it is a warning sign. It's them coming from the place where they said to themselves, I think I can make it, turned around and went, I thought I could make it. I didn't make it. I broke it. Um, you probably ought to go that way. How about this? If you keep going that way, I'll wait right here, wait for you, because you're probably going to be coming back this way in a minute. There's a second part to the preach. The first one is, we admonish, we exhort, we encourage, we warn. The next part is teach. My wife, Kate, is a teacher. Um, she likes second graders. And she typically doesn't like anybody over this tall. <laughs> That's just the way she is. If she ever walks by you and you're like, wow, she, she seems kind of rude. No, it's just you're too tall. That's really... <laughs> if you were shorter, she would really like you, but... You're not. You're too tall, so she, she, she can't like you. We will go to basketball games, 
and we'll go to community deals, and there are always these little kids, and they come running up, and they are adorable, and they tell us, Mr. Ellis, guess what? I found a frog. I threw it against the house, and then all of a sudden, they're like, splattered everywhere, like, and they just tell her stuff, and I'm like, and she's like, oh, that's so wonderful, and she hugs them. She kisses them. They tell her stories. That's so good, and she loves them. She connects with them, and then she would lean over to me when we're sitting at the, in the student section at the basketball games, and she'll lean over to me, and she'll be like, I'll never teach junior high, ever. I'll never teach them. There's something wrong. They're all diseased. There's something. Because in her mind, those are completely different species of humans. Like completely. Like second graders? Oh, they're dreamy. Won't you move up from there? No. They're all, they're all something, there's something wrong with all of them. That's her wiring. It's not her preference. It's just her wiring. If she was forced to teach another grade, she would have to be, she would have to condition her heart to do it, but it wouldn't come natural like it happens with, this other, with these other things. Some of you are the same way. You love buzzing around. You love going fast. You love taking care of business. You like just being on point, being on time, just getting it done. You love it. That's the way you're wired. Some of you don't. You know, just slow. So I get there when I get there. They'll start when I get there. And I ain't worried about it. And what I get done today, I'll tell you what, if I get, if I, if I, if I get out of bed today, I got, I got something done today, you know? <laughs> There's that. Just this slow moving, like it's like being friends with like one of those great big Galapagos type of turtles, those tortoises, you know what I mean? It's like it will last like 14 million years. It's, what happens is, strangely enough, typically what happens, it, let's take, let's, Let's meander into the woods for a minute. In marriages, sometimes the go-fast person marries the Galapagos turtles person. You ever notice that? Like, you constantly look at them like, what are you doing? Come on! Get some stuff done. They're like... You're like... Freaking killing me here. It's true. It's what we do. A lot of times it happens in our friendships. We choose people who are so opposite of us. And that has a lot to do with our wiring, the way we are made. And what Paul is saying in the teaching aspect is this. Teach. How? With all wisdom. Look at this next part. We admonish and teach everyone with all wisdom. This word wisdom is the, word, the Greek word sophia, where we get the word philosophical. Philo or phileo is love or affection. So it is an affection towards uh, wisdom where we get the word philosophy. And so it's wisdom, both divine and human wisdom. Some of you have never been to college in your entire life. And you're brilliant. And you know you're brilliant. Some of you went to college and you thought it was the dumbest thing you've ever done. And you quit. And you're brilliant. You are just made different. You have a wisdom and a capacity to pull stuff off, build things, create things that people with engineering degrees couldn't get done. It's because that's the way you're wired. Some of you have the spiritual gift of faith. You were just born with it. You just love Jesus. He has always been in your life. You've always had a relationship with him. You've been connecting with him since you were a little bitty. And you are just there. Some of you come late to the party, right? Smelling like an ashtray, right? Whoa, like coming out of a car wreck, like, hey, Jesus, sorry I'm late. You know, we're still meeting here, and everybody's like, wow, check this guy. Peeling in sideways, you know? 
just now showing up. Like, I don't have a lot of faith, but help me in my unbelief. Like that guy. You see, our wiring is different. Here's what's beautiful about that. Is there are people like you out there. There's people who have struggled in addiction for years and have not found Christ. And you have. There's people in there who are those go fast kind of people and you meet those other kind of go fast people and it's wearing them down and it's stressing them out. And then all of a sudden you have this capacity, this this understanding, this depth of knowledge to be able to look into their life and be like, listen, I go fast like you go fast, but you got to downshift sometimes and take some time for Jesus. Some of you have a spiritual depth to you that just radiates. You get around other people, and for whatever reason, the conversation always goes towards God. You just can't help it. It just comes out of your face all the time. You just talk about the Lord all the time. And there's something beautiful about that. What Paul says is there's a place for every single one of us. In Corinthians, he uses it this way. The eye cannot say to the ear, I don't need you. us we teach with all wisdom human and divine wisdom we extend a hand to the other people around us in warning and teaching and loving this is what we do in all wisdom here's the why so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ The word present is this, stand beside. Travel companion. To exist beside another. To hold another one up. To be their co-pilot. We may present. So in your wisdom, in your world, in your wiring... Who has God put into your life that you need to stand beside? They're there. This is built into the system. There are those people who are just naturally in your life. Natural, deep connections. And they stand beside you. And you stand beside them. And Paul says, use that to convey the message of Christ. Love them from this other capacity. On a heavenly level, love them, stand beside them. So that we can present them as perfect. Where? We've covered the other ones. And then we get to this one and there's, there's no where. When do we do it? Now. We do it now. We do it in this life. But, but, but Where? I know I've said this before, Jesus is a genius, right? The Apostle Paul, when he would sit down and write under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this stuff has got so much depth to it. The word perfect is the root word where we get the word telescope. Where? Where do we present somebody as perfect? Here's what's beautiful. You have dual citizenship here and heaven. As a believer in Jesus, dual citizenship, you have one foot here on earth and you have one foot in heaven. So where does this take place? Yes. Does that answer it? Yes. Here and there. It's the idea of a telescope where you look through and you stand beside somebody with me. We're looking into their life and we're seeing who they are in the future like Christ has said about you and sees you now. 
He has created you in His own image. He has sent this Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one who comes beside us, to move us into a better place with God, into a closer relationship with Him. And then we get to this word perfect, so that we may present these people we stand near, we may present them perfect in Christ Jesus. There is a process. There are steps in drawing closer to the Lord. If you take a committed Christian and you ask them, have you always been a good Christian? Uh, no. Are you a better Christian now than you were last week? I mean, I hope. Are you better now than you were last year at this time? Oh, yes. Are you better now than when you accepted Christ in the beginning? Oh, yes. Absolutely. See, the conversion experience isn't just like soon as you hit the water, and then now you're holy and you'll never screw it up again. Amen? That's not it. The conversion experience is like a painting where the artist comes in and he begins to sketch out the forms, begins to sketch out the characters, the landscape, the skyline, the stuff in the forefront. And he sketches it all out with pencil, and then he begins to lay in the foundational colors. Whether it's a dark, whether it's a beige, whether it's some water, whether it's the sun. And then, over time, days, weeks, months, years, he begins to add the detail. Clean it up. Liven it up. Brighten it. So that in the end, it is a vivid picture, a reflection of Jesus Christ. The telescope. It's the same kind of idea. We look through it here and we look into the future of the people's lives around us and we say, I see something good in them. I see something good in them. Like Christ saw in me. I've said this before, I'll say it again. It's very important to me that all of us go to heaven, that we all see Jesus face to face and that we all live in paradise someday in the new heavens and the new earth. It's very important to me and here's my reason why. Because there is an excellent version of me that exists there. This is the crap version you get right now. But there is a good version of me. And when we get there, like I, I want you, I want you to see it. Fortunately, there's a good version of you that exists there as well. I want to see it. Paul's words to us are this, so that we may be presented perfect in Christ. It's only through Jesus Christ that our lives are polished. We can't do it ourselves. It's full submission to him. Love you. Let's pray. Let's get out of here. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your word. We ask that you will um, continue to push us forward into you, uh, Lord, into into to what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Lord, we also ask, Lord, that we will begin to see ourselves as you see us. Lord, not as broke down, busted sinners, you know, just limping down the road, but Lord, we will, we will see ourselves as you see us. A royal priesthood and a holy people. People set aside for a special kind of work. But we ask that you will give us the strength to overcome our beat-up self-esteem, Lord, that we will replace that with this picture of you, Lord, that we can take a look through your telescope and see what it is we are. Lord, I pray that you'll empower us to love the people around us this week. Thank you for all that you've done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a good day.